0: Welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday afternoon. And since it's Tuesday, it's time for our Tuesday weekly update with Andrew Dembina. Andrew, it's great to speak to you today. How are you
1: doing? Good, good to speak to you too, Noreen. Um, I'm fine, you know, got the acoustics of thunder... A bit of flashing sky occasionally. One of those days, isn't it?
0: Oh, it's such a miserable day outside. But it's our job to create a less miserable afternoon for our we'll, listeners. We'll try. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, but just because just, I'm stuck in the studio right now, so I don't know what it's mm. like. This morning was pretty pretty nasty. Yeah. Uh, what is it, it like right now?
1: Yeah, well, it's been... I mean, it, the, the, uh, the, the shades of grey are lightening up. Um, so <laughs> could so that, you, that's good. Could you write a book?
0: About it, and call it what?
1: called, called lightning up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I know what you're referring to, Noreen. I won't be writing one of those. Sure. Um, but, but but there is a bit of sauce in the uh, in the in the food reports today. Not really. That was just.
0: Oh, you got me there. So, what have you got for us? Uh, we're going global okay. today. Uh, what yeah, have you got going, for us?
1: Yeah, going global, Noreen. And this week, uh, it's three pieces of drink news. Two of them are alcoholic related. One is not. And then, if we've got time, a foodie tidbit. So nice. I'll see if I can get around to them all. So first thing, actually, then, one of the alcoholic drinks ones, fires that are burning across the west coast of the US, which we hear about in the news, yeah. Um, is, yeah, terrible, terrible scene. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, it's, it's also, apart from people's homes um, and various workplaces, I mean, we should also consider what's going on to the farming community. But specifically... Um, a report that I, I want to refer to is fires burning across Oregon and uh, taking away some vineyards that are there. Oh, so this is yeah, bringing I mean, back
0: I... scenes because I, I was in Australia over Christmas. So of course we had, you know, the fires there. So this is just so horrible on all fronts. Yeah.
1: Did you actually witness some of that?
0: I did. Yeah. We were. Yeah. yeah we yeah. were just outside of Sydney. So definitely, it was right. awful.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it, does. It, it looks pretty intense right now across the west coast of America. Um, yesterday, uh, the, uh, the American wine magazine uh, Wine Spectator uh, reported that uh, the Oregon Wine Board said that they're really sort of trying their best to, to, to monitor and help out wineries across there. One winery went up in flames a few days ago in a place called Rogue Valley. It's, a, uh, it's, it's one of the kind of little regions in Oregon that makes wine. And uh, it was uh, close to somewhere that's been in the news called Almeida in the last uh, few days, which, uh, which did actually claim four lives. Um, the, the, the owner of that winery told Wine Spectator that, um, uh, you know, he was giving a, a report of what was going on. He's living in a place called Talent, unusual name, um, for, for this small town, um, which has been completely devastated. He said, I feel silly. To even mention the loss of a winery, um, because we've got uh, so many friends and neighbours who are experiencing the same horror throughout the community. Um, it's too early for the uh, for uh, because it's really in in the middle of it right now for the Oregon Wine Board to have commented further. Um, but um, it it seems to be the worst place out of uh, uh, Washington and uh, California, which are also which also have fires raging at the moment. Oregon seems to be the worst affected, and something that we once really briefly talked about before, when we were talking about Australia, that you just mentioned, was the effect that it might have not just from burning down vineyards, but the vast thick amounts of smoke can actually taint the crop of grapes and can be tasted when uh, when the wine is drunk later. Once it comes to uh, harvest time, they can suffer from smoke taint. Which so it's not just wow. yeah it's not just the burning down of uh, vineyards that um, that, are, that are trying to be protected in in wild areas in California at the moment it's actually um, trying to with big industrial uh, fans which happened in Napa Valley a few years ago it's uh, there seems to be increasing um, uh, devastating fires in California every year for right. the last few years so um, so smirk paint is something that all of the wine balls around uh, um, Oregon, Washington, and and California, West Coast of uh, of, of America, really are trying to uh, uh, stop smoke as well as fire getting close mm. to the vineyards. Just a, an interesting point that you might not that people might no, not realize. didn't, didn't realize most. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so for, for for the next next thing, something a bit more upbeat, Noreen I think um, <laughs> yes, there's uh, yeah, there's never been a better time to be a non-drinker according to, um, that's a non-drinker of alcohol, according to a uh, a new book that's coming out next month by a seasoned American editor. She formerly edited Bon Appetit magazine, yeah, which is American, and um, she's also a food and drink journalist. Um, Julia Bainbridge, um, in an interview uh, a couple of days ago with uh, the American magazine Taste, um, they were asking her about her forthcoming book called uh good drinks which is going to be uh around next month as i said and it's all it's all about getting a bit kind of uh, interesting and sophisticated with non-alcoholic bevies so um she's um she's, she's trying to get the same interest mm. in non-alcoholic drinks as there are in alcoholic ones specifically cocktails actually it's all about cocktails and we've touched on this before nori and don't know if you remember about the names that um that sometimes uh, make non-alcoholic cocktails or you know drinks seem uh, a bit uh, less than the ones that are loaded with alcohol. Yeah. So, it
0: seems less yeah. fun, you know. You've got cocktails that mm. have often got, you know, fun names, sex on the beach or no cosmopolitan. Oh uh, yeah. But you know mocktails are just uh, they're mock even the word mocktails, you know, can't Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And the word and the word virgin cocktail which is uh it's like something that is, is is being sort of uh uh isolated or uh, or you
0: know more yeah I know, I know what you mean. So,
1: stigmatized.
0: Exactly. So what yeah. what would you suggest an alternative name sorry to put you on the spot oh, but is yeah. there well, an alternative of, name?
1: Yeah, I mean one of the one of one of the more recent uh, ways of labeling uh, you know a non-alcoholic cocktail is uh um, sometimes called uh, zero-proof mixes. Zero-proof is used as a kind of a cool contemporary way. Oh, really? Um, or, uh... Even
0: that's a bit sort of weird. Zero-proof.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it, at least mocktail, I think, has got to be the worst one. It's still around a lot. A lot of people use it, um, but it's um, but really, it's 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 almost saying that it's pretending to be a cocktail and it's um, failing. You know, it's, if you're mocking something, it's it's a negative connotation isn't it um, and, and yeah an- another another one another way that some places say it is proofless which maybe is not that positive either but zero percent is another one you know like you've got obviously some soft drinks famous soft drink zero <laughs> and it's uh, a yeah, you, you, get, you get that sort of thing going on or um yeah or a neutral some, some and in a casual way not not even wor- mention the word alcohol not saying alcoholically neutral, but just a neutral cocktail. That uh, that also has come into parlance to mean that uh, there's no booze in there.
0: Yeah. So, uh, oh, that's. Yeah. A, I'm just I'm just looking at an article in the New York Times, and the writer says mm-hmm. um, every time uh, he or she hears the word mocktail, it makes uh, him die a little inside.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that's. Um, I mean, that, that, I think that is a, a good point. There are certain words in food and drink. But if I go on, to, if we, if we go off on that tangent, we won't get through all these reports, but, uh, but there are certain words, um, but, maybe that's, that's a good one for, for another time. But it's, um, but, but this book, though, I've got to say, um, good drinks, um, is, um, is something that she put together by traveling around 29 states in America. So more than half of them. Wow. And she got, yeah, she got into, um, theories from really top bar managers. Um, on, um, what they do in a creative way. She targeted places that were quite creative. And what's going to result next month is a book that will have, um, parts will be some of her interviews with bartenders around America about how they've got really creative with doing something that can be seen to be as, um, as artistically or, you know, meticulously crafted as, um, as, as a, a cocktail with alcohol in it because, um, you know she she just thought the subject, and I know we've spoken about this before when said when we when when things like uh, um you know non alcoholic uh, wines and spirits came out to go into these they you know th- these things can be made in a very complex way now um, she'd put recipes in there as well or um you know ways to make some of these, and some of them these are not a quick you know sort of bang together a couple of mixers with a with a spirit type of things they they they're they're, they're, cut, they're steeping. Tea or making infusions um with um juices or creating your own sodas and syrups, so it's really for someone you know i mean let's please let this covid thing pass, but if people do have more time on their hands, this is something that people could get into uh testing and um and and doing something a bit uh, a bit interesting mm. um, one one example is uh that's going to be in this book is called cherry ginger and coconut cream ale. ale. And it's, it, you know, and it's going, It's go, without having sort of a, uh, without having those special foaming machines, it's not all that. People don't have to have lots of uh, new kits and invest in all that. She's trying to make it uh, accessible to people. Although she does talk in the introduction about uh, pointers or, and things that people should have. But they're not, they're no more than having uh, a cocktail shaker, a strainer. Um, and getting a being being able to get the ingredients of uh, a few fruits, a blender. They're not they're not super difficult uh, ingredients. So that's something to look out for. That's going to be called Good Drinks by Julia Bainbridge out next month. So that's quite interesting, I think.
0: Sure, I, I'm yeah, a big yeah. fan of. Um, I don't even want to say mocktail. I'm a big fan of these non-alcohol. Uh, what, what do you call it? Spirit-free or uh, zero-proof yeah. um, yeah. drinks? Because it's it's kind of like. Um, e- Um, well you know I was pregnant twice in the last three years so Mm. I've had to uh, rely on some of these on nights out and some of them are really adventurous and they're really tasty and you don't get Mm. a hangover a a hangover from it so I kind of much prefer um, this on a night out sometimes but I have to say the sugar content is really high so it can be yeah it can be a total yeah it can be so that's one thing I do bear in mind and not overindulge but I shall um Enjoy some of the recipes when I have time.
1: Yeah, she she actually suggests using bitters, which are um, uh, which which are um, you know that, that do oh, have bitter some lemon. Distillation. Well, no, they're actually they something that you'll find they're tiny bottles about the size of Tabasco, yeah. and they are they're distilled without alcohol um, by by companies that. Use a distillation process, the same as making spirits, but they come out with this very focused, um, uh, a punch of flavour. They're often yeah. fruit flavoured. Oh, um, yeah, bitter lemon, isn't it the same?
0: Or Well, am I think about something
1: yeah, else. Yeah, that's some, that's something else because that's a fizzy manufactured drink. These are these are coming uh, bottles about the size of Tabasco that you chuck a few drops into something yes. you're making. Oh yeah. yes,
0: yes, I remember yeah. that. Yes, yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well. But it's a substitute for something too sweet. that if people want to have a, a zap of flavour that's not sugary, I suggest that rather than a syrup. Yes. Um, um, Maybe they can uh, make
0: a bitter melon mocktail.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 they could. They could. I mean, there are, there are all sorts of ways of getting creative. And also, um, let's face it, like you said, um, it's good not to have a hangover sometimes, but also um, for people who. Uh, who just want to have a fun evening and be able to drink something as sophisticated. If you think about what has traditionally been on lists for people who don't drink alcohol, and I know because my wife doesn't drink alcohol. Exactly, uh, and, the GL dubs. Uh, yeah, and, it's, and, um, and and quite often it's a, it's a few fizzy drinks or a fruit juice, which mm. doesn't really doesn't always do it you know no effort put into it uh, even in nice restaurants you can get things that are pre-made like that being offered as an alternative to an alcoholic drink things are changing a bit in that area thankfully
0: yes like the shirley temple has been a firm favorite but it's nice to have something else
1: yeah yeah that's that is an old school one isn't it (laughs) yeah 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 well, mo- moving on to something that definitely does have alcohol in it, the, the, that was the two out of three that do, that does I'm coming on to now. Um, the global warming, as we've spoken of before, is making massive differences to agricultural cultivation and farming. And in the world of wine, specifically champagne, it has meant that there is uh, a, a new record um, for been just been made in having the earliest harvest the picking of the grapes um, in the middle of, of August uh, and that really comes to light because of somebody who's just uh, written a story and got that out uh, a few days ago. The official region of Champagne had said that um, the first harvest of grapes that were ready to make into Champagne was the 17th of August but a writer who is based there has found out shock horror that the harvest actually began on August thirteenth which in the very southern regions of champagne, which would be a little bit warmer you know than somewhere up in, in the north of that region and is the, uh, uh, the the earliest start in August since eighteen twenty two so in the world of, in the world of champagne that is quite uh, quite a big deal because when things become very warm if, they, if they're not if they 're not picked in time same with all uh, wine grapes, of course, then they're going to be spoiled, be too intense in flavour, and um, that's you know that's not going to work in the in the uh, in the sort of wine making process. So there's a there's a, a a kind of a another sign in, in case we're all kind of you know, whoever ignoring global global warming. I mean, think of grapes as just being an agricultural uh, product. Really, things. It, it, it's interesting to, uh, to 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 perhaps wonder to ponder what other crops are also, um, you know, having to be harvested earlier on. Yes. So, um, yeah. And sticking with a uh, with kind of farm type theme, so my last uh, um, uh, report, which is from Malaysia, and it's more about food, um, in Penang, uh, in the north of the country, beautiful part of Malaysia, actually, um, it, um, uh, a new type of urban farm was uh, was launched uh, yesterday in george georgetown that's the capital of uh, the state of Penang and um, it's a government funded and uh, university uh partnered um, self sustaining community arable so no livestock it's all stuff that's grown uh, urban farm that can uh, potentially feed this dispersed this one up to uh four hundred households um, from uh, from each harvest in the in the pocket of Penang, that it's in. Now, yeah. um, this, this, this sounds like a really nice idea to be set up with um, with help from uh, from the government. And they're looking to um, do this all around the uh, the state of Penang by uh, by two thousand and twenty two. They want to have a hundred community farms just in this one state of Malaysia. So, it's a local government thinking creatively about using um, part using government land, I guess, that is not being used for other things, and t- some of them are tiny. Some of these farm um, plots that have been uh, planned to be rolled out between now and 2023 are going to be as small as uh, 200 square feet, uh, yeah. up to, yeah, up to, and the, and the biggest, uh, which the this, the first one is, is 2,000 square feet. That would be the largest size. Um, just taking up um, something more useful for small pockets of lands that are otherwise there doing doing nothing. Um I know that we don't have too many bits of land that are doing nothing in Hong Kong, but it sounds like something that would be a great idea here. What do you reckon, Lauren?
0: I think so too, definitely, because, you know, we often think about, especially during the pandemic, we think a lot about food. Uh, security it's good that you know and mm. Hong Kong relies so heavily on imported food it'll be great yeah. if we had some sort of self-sustaining mechanism that uh, yeah. if something happens there's still a little bit of food and not just that n- not just urban farming but aquaponics as well you know people yeah. like you know eating fish so you've got that system where the the wastewater can come off from the farm and then can get filtrated yeah. back into the, the the fish tanks and then the fish will clean it and we'll use it and then they'll produce right. the waste and they can be used as fertilizer for the farm so we should definitely mm-hmm. be looking at more creative ways to produce a little bit of food at least but i don't think hong yeah. kong i think we've got some farms out in the new territories um i think i think that the younger generations are sort of thinking about that and but yeah. there's just not a lot of initiatives especially definitely not from the government
1: you know no, you know, you know, actually, as a uh, you know, something that Hong Kong desperately needs, which is a sense of community and a sense of uh, um, of some kind of um, uh, you know uh, nurturing pro- uh, projects from the government itself. I think that community urban farms that that were given some financial backing by by the government, as happening in Penang State in Malaysia, could be uh, mm-hmm. something that would give people respect for the government and could be a way of building community um getting to know people in your area that have common interests or are enjoying being involved in that could be a really uh interesting way to bring people together through something about food from there you could have you could have um you know meals when the harvest comes in around that community garden or farm there are so many ideas that could make it could make it work of course the big thing is are there any bits of land that could be used but then again we could could get into uh rooftop exactly. farms which uh yeah. So yeah. nothing, nothing's impossible. This
0: is a terrific topic. Definitely, uh, maybe I need to invite a guest because it's certainly. I mean, I, I mm. don't know. I don't know anything uh, uh, about this area, but yes, urban farming and and yeah, and and it also makes people have more connection with their food. It's not just food you mm. buy from the wet market. It appears in the supermarket. It's about you know the food on your plate is something that you've, you've you've slaved. You know you've you've done, you've yeah. grown it yourself.
1: Absolutely. If if you tended something it's going to taste better. Isn't it, Noreen? Yes. Come on.
0: <laughs> yes, I think so too. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tend um, I, I've got I used to grow tomatoes uh, only to find out that they're the hardest thing to grow really. So I don't know why uh, I yeah. thought they were easy to grow, but yeah, I mm. failed utterly, didn't get anything, but you know, maybe I'll Humidity. start <laughs> I'll start small.
1: Oh wait. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's probably probably all I've got for you today, Noreen. And that's that's uh, so
0: me. That's plenty. And yeah. food for thought indeed. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Andrew, for your sharing this week. And I look forward to uh, what well, we'll be hearing from you again next week and also for Artsing Around this Thursday. Thank indeed. You much. Thank yeah, you.